Tanel and Jeremy Tanel. Streaming to you recorded from Seattle, Washington. Here. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Plowline Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Tunnell. And I'm your host, Jerry Ballarosa Tunnell. And we've got some things on our mind that we want to share with you. But before we get started, one of the first things that I'd like to do is honor the land in which our feet stand. I will begin by acknowledging that those of us who are gathering in the Seattle, Washington area north, we are on the ancestral homelands of the Coast Salish peoples who have lived in the Salish Sea Basin since time immemorial. We respect this place and honor the sacred spiritual connection to the land, water, and its people past, present, and future. By acknowledging these lands and their original indigenous inhabitants, we reach back to our own indigenous roots and reflect on the impacts of colonialism and the lands from which all our people come. We're connected to our ancestors through this connection to land, for the land is what connects us all. I'd like to add that it is also critical to acknowledge that this country would not exist if it wasn't for the free enslaved labor of black people and the contributions of the Chinese railroad workers in helping to complete the most important construction project in the mid-19th century America. To add to the mix of this acknowledgement that our country has failed to do, I'd like to honor the Filipino Manongs, who played a significant role in building the farm workers' movements in the 1920s and 30s, organizing and striking alongside Mexican immigrant Cesar Chavez and Dolores Herta. It is critical for us to honor the legacy of the African, Asian, indigenous, and native diaspora, and the knowledge to care for these lands and the skills to build the America we all share today. So please join me in taking a moment to honor the land of the traditional people in the territory in which you stand. Today, we honor the Tulalip tribes and allied bands for their enduring care and protection of this land in which we stand. And I also honor the life and labor of the Black, Asian, Native, and Indigenous communities by expressing my deepest respect and gratitude. Mahalo. So why, why, why do we do a land acknowledgement? Why are, and and that, that land acknowledgement obviously goes a little bit beyond just the land. Um, why? You know, um, there has been, I think one of the most important things is to acknowledge that there are things that has happened and continue to happen in the lands in which we stand. Mm -hmm. The indigenous people of this land are continuously uh, pushed off to the side and not even acknowledged. You know, col you know, colonization have put us in a place to where we have we have issues we have issues with acknowledging that this land is not ours i don't give a shit if you paid for this land it is not your land yeah and as long as we continue to deny that and we don't acknowledge that things has happened and continue to happen here we're never going to find a space or um we're not going to find our way towards healing which is so important i think is what we need in the united states right now what about people who would say what do you mean this isn't our land it's our land now i bought it i purchased it that was in the past 
Money is money is something that is printed and is not really real. Just because you you say that you paid for the land, it's not your land. What have you done to this land? How have you cared for this land? Do you know where your water comes from? Do you know exactly how you got this land? The privilege that you have to be on this land? I think people don't understand that. People don't understand that, right? It's like... Um, I hear so many individuals talk about, oh, you know, I have been, I have been in this place for, for, you know, so many decades and everything. It's like, okay, so what about before that? And how did you get here? How did you end up getting this land? What privileges, what things have been taken away in order for you, from other people in order for you to be here? Yeah. I'd like people to answer that question. That should be, that should be something that every realtor should talk about. I don't think that it's pe- that people are not, um, you know, are are, are not uh, aware. I think um, I think they just don't care. They don't care. And why why should they care? Why should they care? Yeah. Why why should people? And this isn't just a white question, right? Not it's, we're not just talking about white people. Why should people care about the history of this land and its connection to? indigeneity because people should care if if they could reach back to their own indigeneity and see the colonization that has affected their own people no matter where you came from then we could probably find the humanity in learning what has happened on the land in which they quote unquote purchased and probably could shift the narrative in how they obtained the land in which they quote unquote bought. Yeah. So there's a line in the land acknowledgement. This is a, this land acknowledgement is similar to the one that um, you and Chelsea Craig and I had an opportunity to contribute to for the Muckleteal school district. And uh, it sounds like the city of Muckleteal is working on. Uh, They're looking at adopting it. Yes. Yeah. And so, um, so there's a line in here that that I that I um, had talked through with you early on, and it's by acknowledging these lands and their original indigenous inhabitants, we reach back to our own indigenous roots and reflect on the impacts of colonialism and the lands from which all of our people come. We are connected to our ancestors through this connection to land, for the land is what connects us all. The reason why I thought that was an important piece is because there is a big push, a polarization of pushes. One, to uh, take a deeper look at the social implications of race and racism in this, you know, in this country. Um, some of that can be attributed to the concepts within critical race theory. And, um, and there's a huge push on the other side to say, Look, uh, black and indigenous people have never been better. Um, there's, this is just causing division that's unnecessary. Why are we even having this conversation? Stop enabling their traumatization and their victimization. We all need to move on. Here's the problem. The problem is that that trauma uh, uh, that's in them you know, that's in them as in black, um, um, indigenous people of color. 
that trauma is also in white people. And, um, and to ignore that, you know, is, is to just perpetuate the trauma. And where that trauma comes from is it comes from the human condition of human beings inflicting trauma upon human beings. And certainly we do that at the family of origin level, right? Where, um, you know, abuse can run through families. But it also happens on the cultural level and the historical level. And the reason why it's significant, and this is something we'll talk a little bit more about a little bit later, the reason why it's significant is because, you know, 2,000 years ago, the trauma of colonization was inflicted upon European indigenous peoples, and it was a brutal, brutal campaign, um, leaving, you know, massive numbers of them um, murdered or enslaved uh, and assimilated. And so, and so the, the tenets of that colonization were later perpetuated in the Americas 1500 years later. And so that trauma is, that trauma is perpetuated. It's moving forward and it's continuing to move forward. Uh, we are all colonized living in a colonized world. And the only way out of that, you know, of that, of that hustle and bustle of, uh, you know, wake up, you know, go to the bathroom, take a shower, grab a cup of coffee, run out of the house, go to work, come home, eat dinner, watch TV, kiss your wife, go to bed, get up, go to the bathroom, take a shower, grab a cup of coffee, get out, get to work, come home, eat some dinner, watch TV, kiss your wife, go to bed. That cycle and um, everything about it is, um, is you know, it, it, it's, not, it's not producing our ideal human um, endeavor, collective endeavor. Oh, well, it is for some people. Right? Well, it is if you're trapped in, within a colonized system and, you, um, and you're able to leverage that colonized system to your benefit. But it inherently is doing harm to others in order to benefit some. That's, that's, that's inherent in the system. The system is built that way. Right. We, I think we're all participating we, in a colonized system. Absolutely we are. Right? It's like that whole system you're talking about, about... You know, the cycle of waking up and coming home and going to work and all this other kind of stuff. That is a colonized system. We are we are conditioned and we have been conditioned. Look at how we run our schools. We run our schools so that way our students are are accustomed and trained to be consumerists. Right. That's that's what we are training our 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 kids to do right this is the norm this is how it's supposed to be this is how you're going to be successful you're going to be successful by getting up early in the morning having breakfast getting onto the bus saying goodbye to your family staying in a classroom and sitting in rows in bad fluorescent lighting listening to lessons that is that some of them is not the truth of how our history has been made how it's been created and we continue to perpetuate that. And as kids grow up and they get older and they go through secondary school and they get into higher education and then they get into a job and then they go back to work. And it's that is a, I, it's like a trap. It's a trap. It is a trap. And you never yeah. are. You, I don't think you're ever able to really enjoy life fully 
to get out. I mean, look at, we work 40 hours a week. We work 40 hours a week. We're plus. given plus. We are giving two days to what? There's no time to rest. There's no time to really go outside and do things because you have to do laundry. You've got to clean your house. You haven't been home all week. You've got to do all of these things. You get two weeks out of an entire year to enjoy the outdoors, but make sure that you get back to work. Make sure you put your head down, right? We pay individuals good money to go to work. We give them free, you know, we give them medical. We give them all of these great things. We don't provide... And, and the kind of social emotional learning and the kind of mental health that we give people is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's not preventative. It's 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 reactionary, right? It's totally reactionary. And yeah. it, it's not even something the that comes from arises, the problem arises and now we need to deal with it. Right. Rather than, right. Rather than and then, preventing it. And it's like, here you go. Here's some data that tells you that there's some of our kids are suffering there's some data that says that high suicide rates and depression is among a lot of individuals oh here's an 800 number that you can call and when you call that 800 number the people that are on the other end are just like well they 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 can't deal with what is happening and i am speaking from experience trying to find a therapist that knows how to deal with racial battle fatigue is nil. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're, they're not trained in that. And they're, not. And, and they're not trained in that because they're, they're there to deal with, um, with a list of, of, um, agreed upon psychological disorders and, um, and counsel you through it or put you on drugs. Right. And, right. and ultimately this is, this is the point. And this gets back to the, to the whole thing here. See, the problem is the culture. What, what's making us sick is the culture. Yes. The culture is what's causing suicide rates. The culture is what's causing uh, um, depression, depression and anxiety. anxiety. Yes. The culture is what, and, and in turn, those things are causing disease. They're causing yep. heart disease. Yep. They're ca- right? The culture, you know, the food production in this culture, the way we consume, the way we, all of this is the problem. And this is a colonized this is a colonized society. It's been a colonized society for we, 600 years. How do, okay, so I, I get it. And you well, know, longer we, than that. Right. And we live in a, we, we are actually, we're, we're thriving in a colonized society. I think there are other things. That I don't we know if could, we're thriving. We're, we're living. We're living. We're living. There's individuals that, that some are, are surviving. Some are surviving. Some are, some are thriving. Yes, Exactly. Exactly. It is a colonized society, but we live in a house, we drive a car, we put gas, we have cell phones. We're on this podcast. Yeah, we're participating. We're on this podcast. Yeah, with we a bunch of equipment that we purchased on Amazon. Exactly. And so how do we how do we find balance in that? How do we juxtapose the fact that, okay, you know what, we do need to go back to our indigenous ways of knowing and being, right? We do need to understand that medicine surrounds us. We do need to understand that the best way for us to alleviate any kind of anxiety or any kind of depression is you need to be out in nature right that's one of the things and in community and in community in community where people are going to love you and care for you and be there for you not stab you in the back or or perpetuate the the anxiety that you already have we don't know trying to to try to get you out of the way or trying to get you out of the way you know just diminish the things that you do um are very demeaning right it's like these are the kind of individuals that create toxic environments 
Yeah, but these are also the individuals and um, who are operating within this within this social structure, within this social system, this paradigm, who one believe um, in this social paradigm, you know, in this idea, in this Darwinian idea of uh, survival of the fittest, of you know, of um, um, you know, extinction to the weakest. Um, and that is, you know, and, and that is being a predator within the colonized mind, right? So the colonized mind is the mind that can't see beyond get up, you know, go to the bathroom, take a shower, get a cup of coffee. You know, that's the colonized mind. And, um, and as long as, as we're, you know, we're all trapped in that, in that colonized perspective, like, you know, it, and that colonized com- perspective can be, um, can be like, I'm a grinder. I'm an A-lister. I'm getting it. Get out of my way or I'm going to chew you up. Or it can be like, oh my God, I'm barely surviving. There's no way out of this. What am I going to do? Right? Like no matter what you're, you're, you're the, you're the mime trapped in the invisible box. Um, and some of you are jogging in place like, oh, I'm moving so fast. And some of you are like, you know, pushing your hands up against the invisible wall, you know, like how do the fuck do I get out of here? That's all colonized mind. That's all trapped in the colonized mind. So then I'm mind. going to I'm going to ask again. How do you? How, what What are some of the steps? What are some of the steps? Right? Because it's like we can we 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 definitely can talk about being colonized. We can talk about being in this invisible box. But there are individuals out there that 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 is the only way for them to survive that is the only way that they can put food on a table and keep a roof over their head there's some individuals out there who are still sleeping in the cold we are have a homeless okay we have so a homeless indiv- take me through um take me through uh the four steps of decolonization what's the first one there's five steps five to the steps. process of decolonization what's the first one so the first one is rediscovery and recovery okay so that's all you know that's also um rediscovery and recovery rediscover your connection to the land and that's not just going for a walk can be but it's not just going for a walk out in the forest it's realizing that that you are a creature of of this natural world and you you know you might be a monkey that's come out of the tree and you're wearing shoes and and pants but but the bottom line is is you are a creature of this natural world look up look at the stars reconnect breathe Feel your connection back to the land. So that so so it's rediscovery of that. It's awareness that you are in a colonized world. It's awareness that maybe you can't do something about, you know, there's so many people right now that are talking about burn it down. It's not a solution. Burning it down hurts a lot of people. Right. It's we're still not getting to the point though, is that okay, so in this colonized world, we need we, we, we got a pair of bills. We need medical insurance. We need to, you know, we've, we've got to buy food. We have to put food on our table. We've got to take care of our families. Yeah, so, right? so let's keep going through the steps. So that's, okay, so the rediscovery and recovery on what you're saying, yeah, definitely, you know, take a moment. And, and I think we could go a little bit deeper in that. It's like, yes, look at the stars, go out and breathe, do all of these things. That maybe, maybe this is the opportunity for us to, look at how are we being healthy and what what are we providing our employees are we providing our employees the opportunity to not just take an hour lunch not just rush into work at eight o'clock in the morning 
But if work needs to be done, but you want to go for a walk in the morning or go and exercise and come in at 9, 10 o'clock, as long as you get to work done by the end of the week, why not? If you want to go for, you know, a, a kayak paddle at lunch and take two hours, yeah. why not? Right. I, I, I hear you. Right. I, so I, I, what I'm doing I, is I'm trying to go deeper I know what you're into doing. the fact of the rediscovery and recovery that there's all of these different nuances that's that's in, in that. It's not that simple to be like, well, yeah, go look at the stars, go breathe, no, do all of no, that stuff. I, no, what I'm saying. Yeah. The, look. The process and the solution is not found by somebody on a mic telling other people what the process and the solution is. The process and the solution is found in every single individual going through the process of decolonization for themselves. So rediscover and recover, recover. we can cite all kinds of examples and even come up with plans and, and all this other stuff. But, but ultimately, it's up to individuals to take these steps. Rediscover and, and, and recover for yourself. And, and remember, this is a, a journey back to the indigeneity. My indigeneity is, is, is lost for 2,000 years. Right. You know, right. The, the, the Celts, the Gauls, the Norse, they're, they're all, they, they, they lost their indigeneity. Some of them gave it up themselves. Others, it was ripped from them. So, so that, you know, if, and if you're of, of um, the African diaspora and, and, in, and were involved in the history of chattel slavery here in the United States, that was torn away. You know, and so and so to reach back and rediscover that, that might not necessarily be um, a practical uh, like, oh, well, I'm from this region of the, you know, and blah, blah, blah. But like Chelsea Craig, uh, uh, you know, said um, in our in our last training, uh, she said, um, sometimes your ancestors, when you reach towards them, reach back towards you. And, and I think that there's, there's a mystery to it that we just need to lean into. Right. And, you know, it's like when you're talking about, you know, it's like a, a, you, you, you're definitely quoting um, Krishnamurti in regards to the only hope for humankind is in the transformation of the individual. That it is the individual that needs to take, you know, to, to be able to rediscover and recover for themselves. There's also systems in place that was actually... Um, built by individuals who are disconnected from their own indigeneity. And they've created systems that were put into place where we welcome other individuals to come and work and be part of the system. Yeah. But there is no connection back to indigeneity. No, of course not. There, Well, maybe there is, right? Maybe there is. There is a connection back to their indigeneity at the part where they um, they did create a system that was to enslave labor and to um, commit genocide and to deny of the fact that you know they have harmed individuals maybe there's these individuals who are in power that are putting the systems in place are so disconnected or connected to the part of humanity and the part of history that causes continuous divide and right. separation. Yeah, the Romans that inflicted the the um, the colonization upon the the Western Europeans, or the Spaniards that inflicted upon the Mesoamericans, or the the English, French, and and Dutch uh, uh, that inflicted it upon uh, the North Americans, or the you know, and it goes on and on and on. They were human beings too. Oh, totally. But you they know, were farther, you know, in, in some respects, the Romans in particular, were farther away from their indigeneity than others. 
And, right. and it just goes back and back and back. The reason why I pick that particular time in history as the starting point of modern colonization is because um, it brings us directly to um, it, it brings us directly to our modern age. You know, so so that that is the age of colonization in which we still we, we are existing in. It didn't start 600 years ago. Right. It started right. 2000 years ago. Right. I was like I was on. Um, I, I have a I have a shirt that that um, says honor, honor the ancestors. Right. It's uh, it. Um, I got it from um, perpetuate um, Hawaiian culture. And I was like looking on, you know, I was just kind of like perusing, perusing the web. And there are people that are actually making shirts and memes saying that they're not going to apologize for what their ancestors have done. And um, there's a shirt that says, I'm not going to apologize for my ancestors. And then there's a, a picture of Christopher Columbus. And yeah. I don't think it's about apology. It, it's well, not. Well, let me. You didn't let me finish. Oh, my apologies. Yeah, you didn't let me finish. So basically, basically, what it is is that there are individuals out there who believe, who truly believe, that the annihilation of indigenous people have created this society to where they can actually um, benefit from, and they are okay with that. Yes. Yeah. It's the it's the mindset of um, conquered, not stolen. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's not an untrue statement, uh, but that doesn't make it right. Exactly. Exactly. It does you know, not both, make both it... those things can be true. They're just true from two different perspectives. It's true from two different perspectives. How do we, you know, and, and, and the thing about it is that that's, that is the tension, right? That's the tension is that there are individuals out there who believe about conquered, not stolen. Right. And there's individuals out there that will be like, I'm not going to apologize for what my ancestors did. Shit. I'm, I, I'm, I'm benefiting off this shit. I'm not going to do that. Look at what I've got. Yeah. Right. And so it's like. It, it creates this tension in society to where it's like, how do you find the healing for both? Well, that, but I think that's what we're in the middle of talking about is that the healing for both is found in not the, not the apology um, for your ancestors' actions, but in the realization that this colonized model, this colonized system that we live in, it's not working for anybody. It's not working for anybody. You you might be able to um, access uh, the system in a manner in which it can perpetuate you forward, but you're going to die at, at at 65, 70 years old, probably of heart disease or uh, you know or or a stroke or something like that. You're going to die of some but social who cares? disease. Who cares? Throughout the entire time, I was able to get a boat. I was able to get a nice house. And I had when a you're job, and when you're lying on I'm that deathbed, that. we hear over and over and over again that it's meaningless. It's meaningless. So what is the point? What is the point? What are we doing here? Are, are we? Are is the is this literally the the point of life? Is to is to buy and consume? Is this really it? And to and to bear children into a world and indoctrinate them in the same process? Who benefits from this? Um, shall we name some names? I mean, look at look at how many people are benefiting from this. But I, what I'm saying is is that their benefit that their benefit is superficial. They still live with the stress. They still live with the disease. They still live. 
you know, if, if you're a person that we could consider wealthy, you know, you've got um, a seven figure income and, and maybe that first number isn't a one, um, you know, um, you are still dealing with it. And although it might be feeding a part of yourself, the egoic self in a positive manner, it is still just it, it, it is, you, you know, one of your kids is addicted to drugs, you know, d- addicted to opioids. Another one is, um, you know, is uh, is just put up an OnlyFans, um, you know, because you don't have a relationship or a connection to them that that you want to have. But, you don't, you know, but but that's a shame. It's a shame that you just didn't get that time to do that. Right. And, but this is this is all anecdotal. It's not anecdotal. This is real. This is real. There are people out there who there are, are dealing with this. There stuff. are. There and, are. And it is not. It is not made up fantasy to say that 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 no matter where you are in the hierarchy, you're dealing with the same human condition that we're all dealing with, and the system is perpetuating a stress, an anxiety, a depression, a something on you, just as it is with somebody on the lower end. The only difference is, is that uh, is that on the lower end. You're struggling in order to pay your bills, and on the higher end, those bills are paid, but life's fulfillment is still not there. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. But there's also individuals out there who don't give a fuck. And, and that's going to be the way it is. There right. are going to be individuals who don't give a fuck. There are going to be individuals who are so invested in the egoic self, you know, this, this mental model that is, that is born after our our initial birth that's indoctrinated by the our by our by the traumas inflicted upon us and the and the things that um that we find gratification in by our education and our parents uh teachings and it grows and it builds into this thing that we call you know jeremy we call i but the reality is is that it's a false personification it's not the real me Right. I mean, and, you know, it's like you, sometimes we could look at these individuals who are, you know, um, benefiting from the system. Right. It's like their addiction. Oh, my gosh. I bet you. Right. That's one of the things. Sure. Right. Alcoholism, cocaine. Right. They can afford pornography. pornography. They can have all of those things. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I can see on how their life would not be fulfilled. But if they're able to. You know, get that boat and be out on Lake Washington. It's and, temporary. And, it's temporary, and, and eventually a, they'll know it. Have a um, have a cabin, and their kids are going to great colleges and universities, and paying for it, and all of that stuff. And they have like you know, these people, they look at that as something that is happy, that is success. And right. yes, it is. It is definitely the egoic self. Which is very, very shallow. That there is not there, there there's not true depth to to who they are as individuals. But speaking to the individuals themselves, there's a lot of depth. A right? lot of depth. So what do you mean? They they see that oh, I've worked hard and I've made it happen and I went through the ranks and I was able to do this. Right. And- but ultimately, ultimately, everybody is at some point in their life if they're going to grow as a person. If they're going to mature out of out of the childlike, selfish behaviors of um, you know of selfishness and um, and self-serving, they're going to be faced with a crisis of self. I, I don't. It's it, just because somebody's quality of life is better 
does not mean they do not deal with their the human condition. Well, it would be good to have someone on your podcast to talk about that. Yeah, maybe. Right? Maybe, but but that's also not the point. You know, the point is is that all human beings all human beings are going through the same thing. So what's the second phase of decolonization? The second phase of decolonization is mourning. Talk about that. Well, I can only, I cannot speak for anybody else. I cannot speak for anybody else. I, I can only speak for myself and the process of decolonization that I went through. And in the mourning phase, I realized on how that my assimilation into the dominant culture was causing a lot of harm to myself and to, and to my people, right? To my family. It, you know, I mean, it, you know, when you and I, when you and I got, when you and I got married and I was surrounded by people who did not look like me, people who did not walk the same path as me, I, you know, and, and when my, when my sisters came up, when Bernie and Michelle came up and they, you know, I mean, they spoke, they, they, they spoke pigeon. And I told them, you know, don't speak that way because I don't want my friends to think that I was stupid. So pretty much what I did is I said that my sisters sounded stupid. And, you know, that's some fucked up shit to, to actually think about, right? Is that here I am born and raised from Hawaii and I had to learn and assimilate in order for me to survive in a place where individuals would judge you not just by the color of my skin, but by the fact that I didn't have a degree, right? I, um, I, uh, I, I was a young mother. And, you know, it's like there's, there's all of these ideologies on things that I could not have fit in unless I gave up who I was. And that's the, that's the mourning. That's the mourning phase. Yeah. Is seeing that there is continuous, um, uh, you know, discrimination against people that look like me and, and people whose melanin is a little darker than mine. There is continued injustices that is happening amongst, um, you know, the black indigenous people of color. And so it was, it, it was, um, it was a time of grieving when I figured that out. Yeah, I remember that time. And, um, and it was a difficult time to be around for me. And eventually, I ended up kind of seeing and discovering the own, my own sacrifices that I've had to make. The sacrifices you talk about, you know, when you and I first got married and, and, um, and our friends that, that, that we were around and, and your realization within that. Those are the same, you know, those same things are all, you know, or at least those same, you know, not the same individual um, perspectives, but those same emotions, those same experiences. Um, you know, this idea that I had to, I had to take a job that I hated in order to, you know, in order to pay my bills. And I, I certainly tried to find something else and I did. I, um, you know, I, uh, you know, the idea that, that you can, there, for saying the wrong thing, the consequences can be so severe. Um, and maybe you didn't say anything so terrible, but, but you know, in the hierarchy and the power dynamic you might be in, um, it's going to have consequences that, uh, that are going to, you're going to have to face. Um, people are experiencing that right now. You know? Wait, you're talking about your morning? Yeah, I'm talking about my morning. 
and and I'm and I'm talking about my realization that I was uh, that I was embedded in an identity of whiteness, mm, yeah, and you know, and embedded in an identity of um, you know, of of moving through the world, um, which demands a certain amount of compliance, and it demands a um, you know a, a certain rigor. Um, to follow along that I wasn't always wanting or able or willing to do. And there were consequences for it. And, um, and that I, you know, that in order to operate in the world, it meant I had to give up some of myself, um, in order to do it. And, um, and the impact that it was having on our relationship, you know, that was a huge piece of the morning for me, you know, the impact that I realized that it was having, um, you know, to continue to stay in that mental model um, was going to be fairly severe. And the impact that it was having on my relationships with people outside of my racial identity. I, you know, I don't have, have you know, I didn't have uh, relationships with people outside of my racial, racial identity just because it, there was no, one, you know, opportunity, and two, I wasn't making that opportunity. Um, so... You know, so there's a real um, benign nature to community in that in that reality. So the morning part for you, and I, I just want to um, see if I'm understanding where you're coming from. The morning part of you was realizing that you were wearing this cloak of whiteness as you were navigating yeah. through relationships, and um, and that cloak of whiteness holds a lot of nuances as well. Totally. Right. Totally. Yeah. It demands things of us. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, essentially that's what you were, were trying to measure up to. You were trying to measure up to getting, you know, to, to trying to fit into your own cloak of whiteness as, as best you could. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's the assimilation that was, you know, and here's a funny thing though. Um, it was welcoming, right? It was welcoming by the dominant culture. Yes. Come in. Yeah. You, yeah. You totally can be part of us. If you have a degree, you can totally be part of us. If you give up who you are, you can totally be part of us. If you deny part of yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. And I didn't realize that because it was welcoming mm -hmm. and it was enticing. Mm -hmm. And there were doors and opportunities that was the, there were doors and opportunities that was opening for me because I was giving up and denying the true part of who I am. Right. And that is like, you know, the, the deeper I went into the process and the understanding of what colonization meant, the decolonization process brought awareness that the deeper I got and the more I assimilated, I was slipping more into the belly of the beast. Yeah. So what's the third phase of decolonization? The third phase of um, decolonization, and, and, and this, these uh, five phases of decolonization was written by attorney and um, activist uh, Pokala Inui in Hawaii. So, um, so the first one is rediscovery and recovery. The second one is mourning. The third one is dreaming. Mm. And the dreaming part of it is coming to the realization that I am able to walk in the multiple worlds of being an indigenous scholar while existing in the you know western philosophical ways and it was um 
there was a lot of things that that needed that needed that needed to be done, right? I mean, one of them is that I needed to I needed to make things pono. I needed to make things right with my own people. Mm. I needed to um, apologize for some of the ways that I acted, some of the things that I said, how I was. You know, whenever I was around my own people, because I started to obtain the um, the education of Western academia, I found myself feeling like I was better than people who looked like me mm. and my own people. And I started to talk down to them because I'm like, well, this is where I'm at. You all still here, right? Mm. And that's, that's, again, it's just, just thinking about it, it, it just, you know, is, is fucked up. And, you know, it's like there were people that came into my life, that entered into my life who told me things like, I came to listen to you. You know, Dr. Sayumi Irie, you know, she came to me and she listened to the workshop that we did over at the Whidbey Institute and, you know, listening to me for the entire weekend and then at the end of the weekend telling me that she didn't hear the voice of my mother's, but me regurgitating what the white man taught me. Mm. And I was like, <laughs> I need to... I need to sit with that for a little bit, you know, and my friends, you know, like John Feliciano coming to me and saying that, you know what, sis, every time when you're around your people, you talk down to us. Nobody wants to hear how you just talk down to us. You know, I mean, you forgot where you came from. Mm. And when he told me that, that I forgot where I came from, I knew that I needed to step out of of the the uh, the colonization the assimilation to remove that cloak of whiteness that was donned on me by the dominant culture as they welcomed me into their culture and realize that i have more power to be able to walk into worlds to be able to um look at life in a way where i can see the the power and the juxtaposition of indigeneity being my indigenous self and still walking in the world of the of the western ways of of knowing and not forgetting who i am but i needed to reroute myself mm. into who who i am as an indigenous scholar and begin to dream differently dream dream of a different future where you know i think um i think you and i kind of started to co-dream together when we got to that point Co yeah. co-dream on how do we how do we do this work together yeah i i think for me it was realizing that uh well and you, your invitations to um you know to begin to talk about this and and so I, and i started doing what I have done since I was a kid, which was write. I started, I started writing. In fact, I found uh, I found a journal entry um, that was a handwritten attempt at at, a, at, a, at an essay. I remember when I wrote it. It was uh, in 2016 when you and I were flying to Hawaii to go do research on the Big Island for your dissertation, and um, and it was entitled "I'm Not White," and it was <laughs> yeah. kind of this rage journal entry, you know 
with this realization that uh, you know that that um, I've got this label, this um, identity that is um, you know destructive to myself and to and to others that I'm and I'm participating in. and um, you know so I had to work through that and I had to start writing and that writing turned into consulting and that consulting has been um, amazing and you and I have started to do um you know some really cool work together and put some programs together that i'm very excited about um and i and so the the you know so and that's and we'll kind of get to where that fits into this process in a second uh but the dreaming is also oh, okay well what's beyond all this what's beyond all this you know what does humanity look like um if we were to because the, we have not the culture we are today, the global culture we are today is not the culture we have always been. And the culture we've been in the past is, is, you know, has not necessarily been a culture where human beings were thriving, you know, like, um, certainly, uh, Western civilization has brought certain things to the world. It's, uh, you know, lifted the, um, people out of, you know, massive amounts of people out of poverty more than ever in history. It's, um, extended the lifespan of human beings. And yet there's always a cost, you know, even for benefits, there's always a cost and there always will be. Um, and capitalism, uh, socialism, communism, these isms are real problems. Not one of them is a solution to the other one. And it's a trap to get ourselves caught in that because those are all based off of, uh, off of, a, off of a financial model and how you adjust the hierarchy as accordingly. I think the dream here is, and this is the dream I, I encourage everybody to start thinking about is how do we get rid of the financial model altogether? What is it that we could do? Um, you know, what would it be to live without money, period? And, you know, so this idea of UBI and, and universal basic income, th- this is not a solution. This is an answer to, to um, capitalism out of control. You know, we've got an emerging billionaire class that has come up in the, you know, here in the new millennium. And and we've got, uh, you know, we've got the wage gap extending. Well, okay, so the temporary bandaid you put on that is, well, let's give everybody a universal basic income in order to meet their basic needs as the income gap widens. Because we can't stop the income gap because capitalism is a machine that has, you know, been running for a long time. And it's now running. It now It's now tearing itself apart. Um, so we got to figure out some means. This is not a long-term solution. The long-term solution is we've got to answer the one single basic thing that everybody needs in order to live their lives and take care of their, you know, those those um, hierarchy of needs that Maslow proposes, um, and uh, and be able to perpetuate itself. And money's not it. What is that one basic need? Energy. It's energy. It's energy. It's not energy you pull out of the ground and extract and burn uh, and, and explode. It's not that. It's energy coming from an, uh, a source that, um, that you know, has uh, infinite potential. And our physics is beginning to point in that direction. You know, we've got physicists out there who are not only able to, to talk about that and to extrapolate that mathematically. We've got physicists that can actually build physical models that can that can demonstrate it we have got to answer the energy the energy crisis problem 
because that solves the environmental problem, that solves the economic problem, that solves the human need problem, that solves it all. And to think that this stuff, if, if we can't start dreaming our way to here, if we can't start looking forward to this, then we're going to, you know, the, the, we're going to drown. Well, yeah, because there's individuals that don't want to talk about that, the people that are in power because of control. But, you know, it's like these these other individuals you're talking about in regards who have, you know, created created things around energy. Um you know they 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 were dreaming as well too right, right? they and, and i you know i think i i the, the only thing i can hold on to is hope hope that people will come together and will be able to co-dream a different world that we have today mm-hmm. a different world for the future where we're not going to have to decimate sacred grounds that we are not going to be poisoning our waters that we are not going to be placing homes in areas where you know it's going to you know one one set of people are going to be privileged to be able to have fresh water while down the stream there's other individuals who are going to be poisoned by that right and so yeah, I, I, I'm hoping that we can move and co-dream a different world, which from dreaming, it comes to the next two phases of the decolonization process is commitment and action. So what's commitment? Commitment is committing to the dream that you have. Mm-hmm. It's committing to, you know, it's committing to the fact that, okay, you know what, if this is the life that I want to have for myself and for you know, my children and my grandchildren in the next seven generations, then I'm going to commit to acting and doing things to to build that platform and to reach out to other individuals who has that similar dream that maybe we can create a different future. Mm -hmm. But when there is money involved and there is power involved. And there's hierarchy. And there's hierarchy and there's control. Mm How are we ever going to be able to commit to the dreams that we have for for a better world? How are we able to how are we able to do that? And you know, sometimes sometimes I can feel myself getting stuck as if my actions and the things that I'm doing is not going to have impact. Mm-hmm. That's an easy way out. That is an easy way out, and I think it's a cop-out if I just said, well, I don't think my impact's going to have anything. I've got to believe and be courageous enough to move on actions that that is a commitment to the dreaming in order to create something different. And so even though, just like with our podcast, right, I mean, who knows where this is going to go? You know, I don't know how many listeners we have, but I'm hoping that someone who is in power or is in a hierarchy can have a heart big enough to be able to be like, wait, hold up. These people have something to say. Let's, let's move on that. I want to be part of this dream, you know, but it doesn't have to be people in the hierarchy. It can be anybody. It It can can be be anybody. anybody. It can be a collective of individuals, right? You want to, if you're out there and, and you want to participate in, uh, in the ideas that we're talking about, um, you can do that there, you, you know, we, so go to plowline.com 
and um, and you can see both of our podcasts on there, the Mixed Plate podcast and this one. You can see the two books that we're working on. We have uh, future projects as well. Um, you know, if you are interested, you know, the reality is, is that is that we all have things we need to take care of right now. You know, we all have bills to pay. We all have, uh, you know, uh, families to take care of. We are trapped in this system, but there is a way forward and we can do both. And if you want to help and participate, you can go to plowline.com and check it out there. If you go to patreon.com backslash backslash mixplate podcast, which is Jerry's podcast, I highly recommend you check it out. Um, You can contribute there and anything that's contributed on that Patreon account goes to exactly what we are doing here. So, and it's not just us, right? I mean, we're doing this in community with others as well, too. And that's right. one of the things that's really, that's really important because sometimes I feel like, well, there's, you know, I mean, if, if there's people out there that's listening to this podcast, um, I, I'm sure, I'm sure things that we say can trigger individuals, you know, that is like, what the fuck are they trying to say, you know? But, um, yeah, we've got to be able to do this in, in community with 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 other individuals that's the only way that we can do it that's the only way that we can make things make things happen but again you know it's like like i was saying realizing on just how big this system is and how these systems that was created not by us um is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. A lot of times people say, you know, the system's broken. The system, the, the system's, system's not broken. broken. The system is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Maybe it's time for us to change the system. Right. Yeah. If you're spinning your wheels trying to fix a broken system, you're not recognizing mm-hmm. that the system's doing what it's supposed to right. do. It's not about fixing a broken system. It's about creating a new system. Right. Exactly. So the exactly. last, the last one. The last one is action. So from commitment is action. And, you know, I believe that what we're, you know, what you and I and others are trying to do, again, working in community with other individuals on, um, on the action of creating, co-creating a different world, right? Co-creating a cohesive community where everyone not only survives, but thrives in the environment and and the environment that we create in this place that we can co-create. And so, you know, I mean, that's what a that's what Co3 consulting is all about. And you know, there's people out there that is like, "Oh my gosh, I don't I don't like consultants or they don't, you know, they don't believe in um that 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 we can co-create that everyone, you know, I mean, narcissistic people will probably think that but I always, um, I always got to go back and look at how much Seattle is all about the Seahawks. Mm. I mean, remember when they won the Super Bowl? Yep. Every, I mean, it was like there were, I don't know how It was 17 many, degrees and there were tens of thousands of people Tens downtown. and thousands of people gathered downtown mm. to watch a trophy be paraded through the streets. Now, if every individual that was there started to think about how can we create a different world for the people that were in the shadows of those streets? How can we ensure that there's uh, that that we don't have people that are freezing and cold and hungry? 
if every one of those individuals that came out to support the Seahawks, fuck, why can't we all come out and freaking support humanity? Yeah. Well, and and that's the thing, right? The the system is doing what it's what it was designed to do. Capitalism must have a vacuum. It has to have a vacuum. Say it's more have, about that. There's some people that won't understand. It's got to have winners saying. and losers. It's got to have rich and poor. It's got to have. It has to. The only way that 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 uh, that that system works is is if um, is if uh, you know it's something finance, money, currency, whatever, it, it, you know, uh, property, any sort of thing of value is being pulled from one place to another. You got to have a value system. And the only way to do that is to create a scarcity. So now you're in an automatic scarcity model, even though we live in a universe that is completely abundant, wholly and completely. Look at the sun. Do you think the sun has a scarcity model worked into it? No, it doesn't. So action yeah, action is all about um, all about making it happen. It's all about taking those steps. And it doesn't have to be like huge, right? No. It's it's small little steps. But imagine if there are tens and thousands of people making small little steps. Yeah, that's a pretty big impact that we could have on our society, on our world, on how we care for for one another. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's um. Yeah, so it's it's um, it's small actions. It's small actions. Okay, and it's still action. It is still action. Jerry, you've started a new podcast, the Mix Play Podcast. I did, I did, and um, we just uh, finished recording episode eight, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I think um, I think it's going really well so far. I've I've interviewed amazing, amazing women. Um, you know, that's uh, located throughout here in the Pacific Northwest. Um, I would definitely like to interview um, some men as well, too. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, having a, you know, mixed plate isn't just something about, you know, women of color. It's also the, you know, I want to hear what men of color as well, too, um, how they navigate being mixed or the nuances of being mixed. Who are some of the people that um, that you your your dream list of people that you'd like to interview? Oh my gosh, my dream list. <laughs> so I would I would love to I would love to interview Joe Coy. Mm. Um, he just he he just uh, um, had a um, published a book called Mixed Plate as well too. Mm-hmm. So I would love to interview Joe Coy. And um, how he's navigated the world and, you know, just things that he went through in his life from when he was young to now that he's like a mega comedian. Right. Um, Everyone started from somewhere. And I would I would love to hear about his journey. I actually ordered his book, so I'm going to read it and everything like that. So then that way I could extrapolate some information from him and invite him to the podcast and so that's a, I would love to interview him. I would love to interview um, uh, Nicole Scherzinger. Mm. She's from Hawaii and actually from Oahu, supermodel and does the uh, mask singer and everything like that. And, you know, it's like, um, how did she navigate the world? Because she's mixed and sometimes people probably didn't even know like what, you know, how she racially identified. Mm-hmm. And I know that I, I read an article and I forgot where I read it, 
But when people talked about her identity, she related it to nationality. And it's the same thing that I, you know, when growing up, I didn't know what ethnicity, the difference between ethnicity and nationality. Yeah. And I didn't know until I was an adult, the difference between ethnicity and nationality. So I want to know, like, when did she figure that out? When did she realize the difference between ethnicity and nationality? So, um, yeah, Nicole Scherzinger, of course, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, um, Jason Momoa, um, uh, Kean Peels, mm. because they're they're actually mixed as well too. And you know, but um, how do they how do they navigate that world of presenting African American and Black? but still holding the roots of European descent. Mm -hmm. So yeah, those are just some of the people on my dream lists um, that I would, that I would love to interview. And, you know, I keep, I have, I have this again, right. About, about community. I have this dream. I have this dream that when, when it gets to the point where I have a million plus listeners and I have Joe Coy and Nicole on the list, right on the docket to interview with me, that it not only lifts me up as an upcoming podcaster, but it also lifts the voices of everyone else who hel- who I've interviewed from the beginning. Oh, totally. Right? And so it is a community swell of, um, of support. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's who I want to be. Right. That's who I want to be. That's how I see people lifting other people up. Yeah. Is that my actions may turn out to be something that is big, but I can never, ever forget on all the other individuals that have walked into my life and supported me in this. Right. So, right. yeah. So the Mixed Plate podcast, um, there's a new episode that drops every Saturday on um, any of you can find the mixed plate podcast on any of your favorite podcast platforms yep so and if you want to see uh video versions of those uh mixed plate podcasts unedited you can go to patreon.com backslash mixed plate podcast and you can become a patreon member there and you can get the episodes early as well as in video So those are options. And those are fun. Those are fun because it's unedited. So, you know, there's some things that um, just uh, it's exclusive. I hate that word, but, you know, it is what it is. right? It's it's exclusive to Patreon members. And, you know, I mean, it's like the um, whatever anyone contributes from a dollar to a month to whatever they want. It it helps to, um, you know, go towards, um, you know, editing and producing and and getting more content because i realize that as a podcaster there's just so much that goes into um creating a a podcast where people are going to want to listen and people are going to want to be part of it so i hope that we're interesting enough (laughs) well i mean i like talking to you i know you like talking to me and i always hear that other people love talking to me too I just, I just hope that there's more people that want to listen. Well, I, you know, I think one of the things that we've kind of done throughout this whole thing is we've really kind of concentrated on conversation and, um, and conversation with everyday people like us. And, um, I mean, I, I have some people that I would love to 
you know, that I would love to. Who's on your list? Who's on your podcast list? Graham Hancock. I would love to have Graham Hancock on, on the, um, he's a, um, a writer. Um, and, uh, I, you know, he's written exclusively about lost civilizations and, um, I'd love to have him on the, on the podcast. Nassim Haramein, I would love to have Nassim on, on the, on, on the podcast. He is a groundbreaking physicist in, uh, the world of, um, of an alternative to quantum physics. It, I mean, you know, the idea that a hundred years ago when we were trying to figure all, all this out and, and it was the renaissance of, of, uh, of physics, uh, you know, Newton had happened 300 years previous and Einstein and, and, uh, Planck and all these great minds began to emerge in these ideas, not just evolving, um, the ideas that were, that were postulated by individuals like Newton, uh, or Copernicus, you know, which is Newtonian physics, but also coming up with this idea for a whole new idea of the physics of the things that are super, super small. And in order to do that, they had to, they thought that they had to adjust some of the mathematics that were inherent in the, in the physics of the day. For instance, the number um, that represented the total amount of energy in space was unfathomable to them. So they renormalized it. And then they took that renormalized number and they built an entirely new physics off of it. Well, there's a number of physicists out there who are saying, well, wait, you can't just lop off 20 zeros and, and call it good. <laughs> and so Nassim Haramein not only is doing this work and not only has he postulated um, a number of great, uh, great ideas as well as written a number of incredible papers which advance Einstein's work, um, which um, advance this idea of, um, of the actual size of the proton um, and the distance between the proton and the electron, which his theory was, um, was only a single order of magnitude off when we actually were able to measure it. A, a pair of German physicists were able to measure the distance between the, uh, the electron and the proton um, just a okay, couple of years totally ago, you're totally like geeking out right I am. now. You're yeah. Totally anyways, anyways, our physics is is, is wrong. Um, <laughs> it's 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 off, and it's keeping us stuck in this model of of combustion and burn and so dig have, okay, and fuel. So your list, and we can do better because our physics allows us to do yeah, better. You are totally. Yeah, being I am, but you're, you're, but it's yeah. it's important because because yes, the, I know, the question can be you, answered. Right. I know what you asked me, I asked but you I want to talk about list. this now. I know. No, you can't. No, dude. ADD. Come You're back. ADD. Come back. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you said Graham Hancock and you said Nassim Haramine. Those Who are else? the only two. Those are the only two? You should send Graham Hancock the picture of you and him that you took when you, we went to Seattle and listened to him talk. Yeah, I did. Oh, you did? Mm -hmm. I reached out to him a couple of times. Nothing yet. <laughs> That's okay. I don't mind these conversations, too. You know, the guy <laughs> did you reach out to Nassim? No, no, I haven't. I, I've I've listened to enough podcasts <laughs> with him on it that I've kind of figured out um, 
so the organization the that the that they work with is uh, Resonance Institute, um, and I believe the um, URL is resonance dot is is. Um, but I've kind of figured out how they do it, and what they do is they end up sending Jamie Jan over, who's an ambassador um, oh, usually yeah, yeah, first, yeah. yeah, and then and then so you'll end up talking to two or three different individuals, and then Nassim will come in and do because they got to vet you. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. But, you know, I mean, I've listened to some of these podcasts where these guys don't have a clue about what what he's doing. They're just they just think it's cool that he's doing something different. Yeah. But then it starts somewhere. So maybe you should reach out to some of them. Yeah, maybe I should. You know, I mean, it's it's all the opportunity to learn. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And don't 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 say that they don't know anything. They know something because I'm not saying they don't know anything. I'm saying they don't know anything about it his work i don't know anyway they wouldn't be the representatives if they didn't know but anyway you should uh you should reach out no i'm talking about the podcasters oh the podcasters (laughs) okay yeah thank you for clarifying that yeah thank you for clarifying that we almost found ourselves in this hermeneutic loop you almost found yourself in a hermeneutic loop Anyway, that's a good that's a good list. That's a good list. I mean, I put it out on Facebook that, you know, my my dream list, right? Um, on on who I would love to to talk with. But there's there's amazing And, and you know what? I think you will. Honestly. I hope so. I think you will. I think I think the Mixed Plate podcast is great. You're 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 very good at holding conversation and keeping space and and um and you know, I mean, they're engaging conversations. They're good. I try. Mm-hmm. I try. I mean, I think it's a, it's the, um, it's the face to face, right? It's the alo part of the aloha, the face to face, and and being able to, to share in that breath of life because we can learn so much from listening to other people's stories. Mm-hmm. There's so many lessons in the stories and. You know, um, we have some, we are surrounded by amazing people. We are. We're surrounded by amazing people. Yeah, we are. And so, yeah, you know, it's like, I think I'm, I'm still going to reach out to individuals just within my circle to interview with me and everything. And, and the Mixed Plate podcast doesn't only have to be with mixed race people. It can be a mix of conversations. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's about, right? It's like it's having a mix of conversations because we all have very intersectional lives. And when we're able to speak upon and within the intersections of our lives, that's a mix right there. Mm-hmm. That's a mix right there. So, so speaking of alo, forward-facing, ha, Yep. Breath of life. Yep. Aloha, sharing the breath of life. Yep. Your dissertation is done. <laughs> Officially oh finished. Oh my God. My dissertation is done. It took a long time. You know, now that it's done, of course, the first thing that comes to my mind is like, okay, what am I going to do next? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Of course, that's you. <laughs> but yes, my dissertation. Even though you're already doing 16 things. <laughs> my dissertation is done. And. I'm going to be defending my dissertation on December 11th mm-hmm. at 11 a.m. 
Um, it's a Saturday, and that date is very, very significant. And it's a date that I chose, and my committee agreed to it. And so I'm really excited. It'll be on Zoom because we're still in the middle of a pandemic, so we're not going to be meeting in person. So we'll be meeting on Zoom. And so if anyone wanted to listen in, um, I'll post the uh, Zoom link on social media, and anyone will be able to join in and listen if they wanted to. But yeah, so be a good idea to post that on the uh, um, on your new Facebook page, Doctor G. Yes, I think I am. I think I am. I, I yes, that's one of the things that I'm I'm planning on doing this week is. Um, having a having a public page and scrubbing my personal my personal page or something like that but you know um i i I think um i want to be able to promote myself in a different way now that i can call my oh my gosh i am getting just emotional right now thinking that it's here it's here in in let's see 30 in in 41 days in 41 days from today, I am going to be defending my dissertation. Yep. And, you know, I mean, December 9th, my dad would have been 85 mm-hmm. if he was still here. And on December 11th is 11 years since mom transcended to be with dad in the realm of the ancestors. Yep. Who, how am I going <laughs> to... I don't know. I mean, you're gonna have to keep it together. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to keep it together. Yeah, I'm gonna have to keep it together. But it's such a, you know, I mean, wow. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's 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 awesome, and it's been a long, it's, it's been, been a long time, it's and been it's a been a journey time. for both of us. Yes, it has. It has. It has been. It has been a journey, and there has been just so much growth, so much. Uh, you know, I mean, there there are many, many, many aha moments, and a lot of uh, a lot of tears, a lot of stress, um, but definitely transformation. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like a, every every time I would come up with some kind of new theory on how we can coexist on this one planet that we have at least one planet right now that we know of right on this on this on (laughs) on this on this planet earth together every time i would come up with a theory i felt as if the universe would challenge me on that theory it's like oh okay so you want to be able to have hard conversations with individuals and still live aloha here Try this one on for size. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, holy shit. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it, I, you've experienced it with me in some of these very hard conversations, these heart-wrenching conversations that needed to be had where I would tell you, I'm losing my aloha. Yes. Uh, I'm losing my aloha. I don't have my aloha is wearing thin right now. And, you know, and... And finding myself, finding myself thinking that I was a hypocrite in the things that I was saying and doing, right? Because I talk about aloha and creating the um, the guiding principles on how to engage in triggering conversations, right? The A-L-O-H-A. 
and then not being able to fulfill that in my own conversations. I'm like, what the fuck? How can I talk about this and I'm not able to do it myself? Right. And that's where that's where I found the grace and the gracious anger. Right. The gracious anger was not just about being angry about the injustices that has happened in the world and having grace to meet people where they're at. But the anger that I don't know how to have fucking grace in the middle of a goddamn conversation. Right. That is like, holy shit. But there's not a whole lot of individuals who have that awareness and able to just kind of self-reflect on that and be like, okay, you know what? That didn't go well. Mm-hmm. Let's try this again. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to um, contribute to all of the theories and methodologies that already exist in regards to how do we do, you know, I mean, especially in regards to um, indigenous pedagogy and indigenous ways of knowing and being, being able to contribute to that. I'm, I'm excited yeah. and scared. Sure. Of course. But the great thing is, is that, you know, we're, we're already in process, you know, um, uh, your dissertation, 10 years ago, you started a business called Co3 Consulting, co-creating cohesive communities. <laughs> um, don't, I don't know, I think it's a great tagline. And, um, and, uh, and that's evolved. And your dissertation work um, has greatly informed not just yours, but my uh, um, ideas of what that evolution looks like. And, you know, here we are today. Um, you know, you're the director of equity for the Michael Teal School District, and um, and uh, we're still building Co3 Consulting, and we've had an opportunity to recently um, and here in the near future be able to do some programs with some really cool organizations. Yep, that are unique. Um, that take the things that we talk about on this podcast and apply them to being able to teach um, other people these perspectives and these ideas. And, um, you know, in a world where it's very divided, uh, especially in the, in the topics that we talk about, we're, we're working very hard to get through the, the, the bullshit, which is really trauma. You know, it's, it's trauma. It's people's trauma coming out. Right. You know, with, on one end with the equity leaders that are utilizing you know, critical race theory as a bat to beat the shit out of people. And on the other end, um, you know, people who absolutely refuse to take a look at the false racial identity, racialized identity that they're living under of whiteness and um, and how they're just bulldozing over the top of of communities that have been traditionally mar- marginalized. There's a path forward through all that. And that path forward is the transformation of the individual. Well, and also, you know, it's like Auntie Pilani Paki says, um, when the world is, when the world begins to seek peace, they will look to Aloha. Because Aloha, oh, to Hawaii, because Hawaii has Aloha and Aloha is the key. Yeah. Yeah. Aloha is the key. And I think that your dissertation work and the rediscovery of the epistemology or the etymology of aloha, right? The origins of the words alo and ha. Aloha is not one word as it's always been traditionally thought of. 
it's two words, alo, forward facing, ah, sharing the breath of, or the breath of life, sharing the breath of life. Exactly. Exactly. So we recently did a, um, uh, the racial equity day for leadership Snohomish County in combination with, uh, Chelsea Craig and Chris Hudima, um, and had, uh, had a great opportunity to be able to um, chat with about 60 individuals who are involved in the leadership uh, Snohomish County programs um, um, uh, about racial equity through decol- personal decolonization. Yeah, um, it was, a, it was a just um, last Friday, mm-hmm. um, no Thursday, that we, that we did that with the uh, Racial Equity Day. And it was... Um, you know, I thought it was good because, well, <laughs> I, I thought I thought the way that um, the way the four of us—so you, me, Chelsea Cray, Chris Wadima—the way that we wove the entire day together, based off of Joanna Macy's work and mm-hmm. the work of the spiral, I thought that was um, I thought that was really powerful. You know, as as we went through our racial identity, as we went through um, talking about how do we co-create this space? How do we show up? How do we show up to these conversations that can be very triggering, right? How do we, um, so Joanna's Macy's work on the spiral, there's four different stations that, that, we, that we can go through to find a way forward and the first phase was um coming from gratitude and so you know i mean having gratitude for the fact that we're all here today coming from gratitude that we have oxygen to breathe right i mean just just the basic needs that we don't even think about right we wake up every morning so finding a place of gratitude and then from that gratitude honoring the pain of our world honoring the pain of our world and and really going deep into what compassion means which is suffering with mm-hmm. when we can find our when we can find ourselves in a place where we can suffer with then we can find empathy and compassion and love and grace and be able to do something the third phase of that is seeing with new eyes so honoring the pain of the world and being able to sit in the discomfort of understanding how did we get here in the first place? How did we get to the place where we have marginalized individuals? How do we get to the place where racism still exists? How do we get here? You know, why is it that the bodies that occupy our prisons is majority brown and black bodies, right? How did the school to prison pipeline, you know, how did that happen right so honoring the pain of our world comes um moves us to seeing with new eyes Mm -hmm. and when we're able to see with new eyes and see what is happening in our world then together we can actually have action behind of that which is the going forth so it's funny on how um Joanna's Macy's work of the spiral, the four stations of the spiral, really works well with the five phases of decolonization. Yes, it does. Yeah. Like perfectly. 
Yeah, and those two things have been woven into a program that we that we um, have been working on for a while. We had a chance to execute it um, on uh, Racial Equity Day for Leadership Snohomish County. We are having another opportunity to be able to go deeper with it uh, with a with a two session training that we're doing with um, Snohomish County um, County uh, well Snohomish County, and um, uh, I'm really excited about about this idea of uh, achieving racial equity you know, or achieving uh, racial equity through personal transformation. Because, and personal decolonization. Right. You know, because so often equity is, um, and personal decolonization, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because so often um, equity is something that is dealt with on the systemic level or attempted to, right? It's, well, we got a policy and procedure our way out of this. You know, we, that's not that's not going to do shit. It doesn't right. do anything. That harms more than it helps, and um, and that's why it's so vital and so important. Um, you know, to to do this change through um, individuals because it's individuals who end up bringing themselves to the table when policy and procedure is being discussed, right. when it's being written. Yep. You know, and um, and it's individuals that that can that can change that process. So it never starts with the system. Change, true change, does not start with the system. Well, it it's like who created the system, right? Individuals. Human beings, right? Human beings, and so it's like when we can have the transformation of the individual, then those individuals in turn can come back to the system, look at the system, critique the system, analyze the system, interrogate the interrogate system. the system, and then change and shift the system. But you've got to be able to shift yourself first right. in order to shift the system. We are all part of the collective system. Right. We are all responsible to it by being responsible for ourselves. Every single one of us. I don't care what what title you hold or where you are, where you land in in the scheme of hierarchy. You are an individual that is part of the system, and you have responsibility and accountability to it. Right, and that's and that's how change happens. Yep, that's how change happens, and um, I, I I think that's that's ultimately you know the goal and 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 the system the system is designed and built in order to remove you from your humanity uh you get up you go to the bathroom you yeah, take you a shower like five you, times yeah right? and i'm just keep saying it you, you grab a cup of coffee you jump in the car you do your commute you get to work you come home you eat some dinner you watch some tv you go to bed you kiss your wife right um yeah it, it, it's removing you from the process and it's and it's removing you from the ability to be able to think that you can do something about it um but the reality is is you can do something about it you can do something about it by transforming so how do you transform well maybe start skipping one of those processes in your day get rid of the tv read a book um you know read read eckhart toll read um read joanna macy read um, who else? Gosh, um, Pema Chodron. Definitely rem- read right? Pema Chodron. Pema Chodron. Um, read transformational authors, authors that want to talk about transformation, personal transformation. Thich Nhat Yeah. Right. It's like go, go, go back, go back to that. You know, I feel, I, I do feel that at the the very basic level of every human being 
we all want the same thing. We, we do. We all want the same thing. And the problem is, is that we're in a perpetual cycle of trying to, uh, trying to achieve that, except that it's a hamster wheel. You're never going to get off. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, the other thing I'm excited about is we've written a program called uh, um, that comes directly out of our master's program at Antioch University, Seattle, um, Whole Systems Leadership. So um, we, um, we both graduated with uh, Whole Systems Design degrees. Um, from, our master's degree. Yeah, our master's degrees. I think it was, you know, we had a number of people in the program who were, who were going through that course with the hope that it would help them advance them in their careers. I think most of those people, most of those people have come to the conclusion of, well, that was a mistake um, because that's not what the course was. The course was a course in personal transformation. And, um, and uh, for me, and I know for you. I don't think people thought that it was a mistake. I, th- I think there are definitely some that think it was a mistake. Well, yeah, maybe, but you know, I think, um, I think, uh, yeah, you're, well, maybe you're right. Maybe there, there were a lot of people that was struggling, you know, towards the end on what is whole systems design? How is this supposed to increase or, you know, um, have me be a better person in my work? And right. that wasn't, that wasn't, it wasn't a professional development class. No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> it was a personal transformation class. Right. It definitely. Um, well, for me, I mean, again, I can only speak for myself. I can't speak for others. I can only speak for myself. And for me, it, it was a place of transformation where I was challenged to look at everything from um, what impact do I have on the land as soon as I step outside of my door? Yeah. Right. That was one of the things. Um, what what you know, where where does my water come from? How long does it take for my food to get from where it was to my table? Yeah. Right? And then the the um, carbon footprint that it leaves behind just to get from where it came from to my table. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things that, that this, um, so whole systems, briefly, systems theory is um is kind of an evolution off of off of the modalities of thought that we use in culture so in grade school we're taught linear thinking a plus b equal you know or a b c d e f g one plus one equals two right and for most people in the world that's where our thinking kind of stops right like linear thinking if i do this then this should happen and i will get this mm-hmm. Um, and there, and so much of the source of their disappointment is when they do that and they don't get this and <laughs> right. Um, and the, most of the reason why is because, um, linear thinking works really well, um, in elementary school, but it doesn't have any real practical. And so people struggle, you know, I think people really struggle because they've been given a mental modality, a modus operandi that is faulty. The second one, which you learn um, typically, you know, if you have like some sort of advanced, um, um, you know, courses in high school, college prep, or if you go to college, you learn critical thinking. So you learn the ideas of deconstructionism. You learn the ideas of compartmentalization. You learn the ideas uh, of Descartes and Plato and um, Euclid and... and, 
And these work really well for operating within the westernized um, system, the colonized system, um, because they're the thoughts of the colonized system. But um, out of MIT in the 1970s, um, through, um, through because they were doing so much computer science development back then, um, this idea of systems theory began to emerge. And a number of individuals, including Donella Meadows, began to write and apply it towards social um, perspectives. And systems thinking is, is keeping the whole in mind. So where, um, where um, critical thinking is about breaking the whole down into its individual parts to try and understand it, critical uh, systems thinking um, inherently tries to keep the whole in mind first. You can certainly look at the individual parts, but that's not the whole. The whole occurs when the individual parts interact with it and new things emerge that couldn't have happened um, by only looking at the individual parts. And so emergence is, is, a, is a part of that. Right, and I think with whole systems design, it's the thread in between everything that right. ties everything together. Right. Right. So yeah, that's kind of like what I got from, from our degree. Yeah, and, and the whole part, um, you know, so systems theory came out of MIT. Whole systems design is, was exclusive to Antioch for a long time. And the difference there is that it puts you into the system. So rather than being just the observer of the system, the observer becomes the observed as well. Uh, you are a part of the system. And so much of systems theory that's talked about today and so much of the ideas when people at work say, oh, well, we need to think systemically. What they're really talking <laughs> about is they're talking about a system that doesn't involve them in it. Right. I mean, I, it just bugs me, right? It bugs me when people, like, I, there's people that actually say, I'm a systems thinker. Yeah, right. I'm a systems thinker. And I'm, and I'm looking at how their actions are, and I'm like, no, you are not a systems thinker because what you're doing is you're removing yourself from the system or you're placing yourself above the system, or you're looking at his other individual's responsibility and not yours. Right. And so that is not systems thinking. Syst a lot of times when people talk about systems thinking, it, it's so mechanical. Right. It is a mechanistic system that they're thinking about, but not thinking about um, who's the mechanic in this mechanistic system. It's you. Yeah, yeah, and whole systems doesn't just take the the uh, you know, the conceptual systems in mind, it also keeps the systems in mind that are surrounding us, right? Right. The human systems, the na natural systems, the water systems, the, you know, the, the, you know, the natural resource systems, all of these are, are interconnected and interwoven. Right. So exactly. we've written a program on whole systems leadership and um, we've got an awesome opportunity to be able to share it with, uh, with an upcoming client in the new year. Um, it's really exciting. Um, and what it's basically doing is it takes leaders, managers, and, uh, and team members and instills them with this uh, ability to be able to look at the whole and the emergence in between them that they're probably missing because they're not seeing it. They're not putting themselves into it. Right, right. And, you know, I mean, it's like putting yourself into that system. There's a lot of things that happens when you do that. All of a sudden, you realize your responsibility and your accountability to that system, and so it's it's um, it removes the it removes the hierarchy, 
in you know from from organizations and have it more holistically mm. right looking at it more holistically and how do we instead of looking at a triangle now you're looking at a circle yeah and the impact of all of that that every single individual can have impact on that system so intention versus impact what's the intention of of being a um, holistic organization and the impact of that, you know, going forth. So I think it's a, I think it's really, I think it's really exciting to be able to um, apply and share some of the theories from our master's degree with um, our new client in, in the new year. So yeah. I'm yep. really excited about that. Me too. Okay. So, um, I think we've I think we've uh we've we've covered we've covered a lot, haven't we? What else are we covering? Okay. Um <laughs> Did I just, just did I just throw like a curveball at you right yeah, now? Yeah. Cuz yeah. looking across the table it looked like I I kind of like threw a curveball. Yeah. But it's okay. You know what? The curveball comes right back around. Mm. <laughs> don't don't grunt at me. Mm. Don't grunt at me. Okay, um, so you don't want to cover these other subjects that we wrote down. Um, I think that's going to probably take. I mean, just looking at it, it's probably going to be taking about another hour or okay. so in order to. What's do the problem that. with that? What's the problem with that? Um, I I've got a proposal that I've got to write. Oh, you're busy. Yeah, I've got a proposal that's actually it was due on Friday, and I've asked for an extension, so I need to get that done for tomorrow. Okay. So, all right, well, I've got some th chores that I need to do as well. So, um, so, um, um, I guess we'll cover that kind of stuff next week. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's been a while since you and I actually been on, you know, been on the Plowline podcast, but it's, uh, I, I, you know, I was really, I was really excited to hear other people actually, asking about yeah, it. asking why, well, Hey, are you guys going to do another one? And I'm like, Oh, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I was too. I, I, you know, I like I like doing this. I, I really miss having people here, um, you know, at our in-home studio and right. talking. Well, about we that. can do it the way that I'm doing it. You know, we with can. The it's just and that's cool. I, you know, I, I I I think that's you know, Zoom works, but it's just not as cool. It's not the same. No, mm -hmm. it's definitely not the same. And you know, who knows? Who knows what? Who knows what? The future brings we don't know right we may end up having a studio to where we could sit six feet apart and still do a podcast in person or maybe we won't have to always live in a world in which we have to sit six feet apart or maybe exactly but that goes into the other subjects that we're going to talk about and we're going to save that for next week's podcast all right you've been listening to the plow line podcast which is uh um, a part of Plowline Productions. You can go to plowline.com to check out um, our podcasts and our writing future book efforts, audiobooks that are going to be coming out. Um, don't forget to subscribe to the Plowline Podcast on all of the popular platforms. And when you do, um, see if uh, maybe you can find the Mixed Plate Podcast as well because it's great. Oh, thank you so much, sweetheart. If you are interested in receiving early episodes of the Mixed Plate Podcast, 
in unedited video format, which is a lot of fun to actually um, go back and and look at. Um, With member exclusive content, become a Patreon supporter of the Mixed Plate Podcast by heading over to patreon.com backslash mixed plate podcast and i am you know it's like um for our new patreon members i have a little token that i want to be able to give out to individuals and i think i only have about 40 of these um tokens that i want to give and um i think it's great i think it's awesome um, it really this. I don't want to describe too much of what this token don't, is. Let's just keep it a surprise because there'll be more <laughs> tokens in the future. That's the whole point of being yes. a Patreon member. So, yes, um, if you become a Patreon supporter of the Mixed Plate podcast, um, I will I will be contacting you. So then that way I can give you your little gift from me. And all of your contributions on on uh, on Patreon go towards all of our productions, including uh, this plow, podcast, the Plowline Podcast, and they work um, and the work we're doing to move change forward by teaching the skills for personal transformation. And if you want to continue the conversation today, uh, you could follow us on Facebook.com backslash Plowline or Facebook.com backslash Mixed Plate Podcasts. Um, both Jeremy and I. Um, love having conversations on there. Um, yeah, so that'd be great. Finally, uh, there are two things uh, you can do to help us to get the word out. Uh, first, give this podcast a review or the Mixed Blade podcast as well on whatever platform that you're listening to. It really, really helps us get noticed. The algorithm picks up those um, uh, those uh i just lost what i was saying (laughs) (laughs) the the algorithm picks up those reviews and allows us to be able to get noticed by more people so the second thing you can do is you can tell people about this podcast uh if you like listening to this tell somebody at work tell somebody you know wherever you're at yeah please <laughs> we would the, the more listeners we have, the more content we can have, and it also helps us to bring in some really amazing um, individuals to you know to both of our podcasts. So this podcast is the Plowline is a pod. <laughs> this podcast, uh, the Plowline podcast, as well as a Mixed Plate podcast, is a Plowline production, and is produced with the combined assistance of the dynamic duel jeremy tonnell and our nephew um, hunter cronholm and so until next time everyone thank you so much for joining us please take care of yourselves take care of each other take care of our planet and we will talk story with you next week so aloha everyone and mahalo ahui ho we'll see you soon take care everybody